Hello and welcome back to Squad Depth, the podcast with me, Theo Lloyd-Hughes. Really special, brilliant, hopefully fun and informative and insightful episode for you today. The first ever Squad Depth episode with two guests, that's right, two guests, the brilliant couple that I love so much. The Tonellis, Jenna and Audrey from New York, you're going to love it. Jenna is one of my favourite journalists covering the NWSL and international football. She is very passionate about the game and really cares about telling stories and you can tell that so much in her writing and she is just a lovely person to be around, makes you laugh. Adri, her wife, is another soccer expert and someone with an affinity for Italy. She's Italian-American and understands the Italian game and maybe types of football culture that are everyone is aware of but she really really feels it and, and makes those stories really important and and feel real and feel authentic and have all that brilliant cultural importance and originality uniqueness that we all love so it's a really cool conversation about what it means to cover the game from whatever angle your angle is and do that with someone you love by your side so yeah like i said something a bit, bit different today but I hope you enjoy it. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of There's nothing you can't do When you're in New York Ladies, thems, gentlemen I am uh, honoured to be blessed with The wonderful, the whimsical The Queens of New York All the way from Queens Jenna Tonelli and Adri Tonelli Welcome to the show, how are you? I mean, I'm wonderful after your rendition there that you better not cut and that better be kept in the show. <laughs> that was better than the introduction at our wedding. Whoa, icebreak, man. We're getting, we're jumping ahead. Um, who, well, we got to talk about it. What was the introduction at your wedding? Uh, we like didn't have one. We have one. Oh, so it was no. better than that respect. Yeah. <laughs> well, because we had like a, we like eloped during COVID in 2020, and then in 2021 we had like the party. Very cool. And we just kind of were like, "Hi, we're here now. We've already been married a year." So, Tanelli. <laughs> so, yeah. We didn't appear out of nowhere after taking hours and hours of photos. We were just there. <laughs> we were just there for cocktail hour. Yeah, is, it was actually kind of good. fun. Love it. Love it. Well. Welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for being here. It's always good to have a couple of internet celebrities on, especially when they're married. Yeah, so for, for those that don't know Jenna and Adri Tonelli, I don't know who wants to go first, but who are you and what do you do? You go first? I can go. You go first. So I, uh, Adriana, Adri, to my friends, uh, I have worked my a lot of my life not in soccer but followed soccer my whole life and now I'm very fortunate because I get to work in soccer for CBS Sports and I get to work on a number of shows including Serie A which is pretty much the first league I ever followed and really helped me fall in love with the sport and I also have the privilege of working on attacking third with so many talented uh, women be helping to promote and just kind of I don't want to say fangirl but <laughs> for me a little bit it is um, but we absolutely have a great time promoting women's soccer looking at not just U.S. soccer but also around the globe and and that's that's what I do I'm my technical title is editorial consultant so I just make sure that uh, all our ducks are in a row from an editorial side pretty yeah. much. That was a very good little succinct blurb about yourself, Andre. That was very good. Very good. She, 
she's giving women's soccer the coverage it deserves i think on a from a television standpoint getting getting the ducks in a row get those ducks in a row all right jenna ducks in a row. now you good luck so i'm jenna um I primarily cover Gotham FC in the National Women's Soccer League. Been doing that for three seasons now, which is, it has gone by quite quickly. <laughs> um, I freelance mostly, but I work primarily for Equalizer Soccer. Um, I help run a local website called The Local W, where we uh, cover women's sports in the New York area, including basketball, hockey, um, so, you know, if you need some New York Liberty coverage, you can head over there. Uh, they're in the they're in the playoffs right now. Um, and I actually work a full time job that is completely separate from soccer. And then I do my my soccer stuff. Uh, Adriana really helped me kind of fall in love with soccer more on like a international level, uh, which I really appreciated. Um, and yeah, just uh, love what I do. Very fortunate and very fortunate that we get to um, work together, but separately <laughs> in a, a shared passion. Love that. You didn't have much of a choice about falling in love with international soccer. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just on. It was just so. on. Yeah, that's very true. For those, yeah, for those that don't know, Jenna and and Adria as described do fantastic work in in the football space. But even greater than that, to some extent, they are in love. And it's rare to have a couple that kind of come at you as a as a as a duo in the space, or at least, or, or and I say this as someone who's who's worked in music and worked in restaurants. Like, actually, that's not true. Restaurants, it does often happen. But yeah, it's nice <laughs> to have the kind of like the the cool couple that like get each other and can work together and can collaborate and 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 function and be very charming and fun in the space. I I think it's great. I think you're. Thank your you. love, your love, and your energy. Whenever I've been around you, has always been like one of my favorite things about football in the United States. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. And so, with, uh, that, that's... with that being said, for those, including myself, who've never heard the origin story, how did you meet? So we met in 2016 because we were both volunteering for a certain presidential candidates political campaign never heard of it i'm sure everyone can guess who it was and who <laughs> it and, and who just it, in case and who it was not obviously that was a very disappointing outcome for us um we both put a lot of work into that um but it was just like a beautiful thing that came out of it was finding each other yeah, one good thing came out of it <laughs> and and yeah. when did football become a part of the relationship i assume it wasn't like election night oh sir no. i was too busy crying yeah. um yeah. Not right away. Well, actually, yes. The 2016 Olympics. Oh, right. We were both watching. That's right. Like, while we were... That was the first... That was our first tournament together. Rio. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it didn't go well. No, the it did not. I, I blacked it out, clearly. I forgot about that. She, I remember her texting me. She was in the office, and she was trying to follow what was happening, and she knew they had gone to penalties. And she kept texting me, It's a miss! And I was like, wait, really? And she's like, no, I don't know. I just think they're going to miss. <laughs> wow. I don't My know. My stream was that. behind and I was just trying to watch. And I was like, this is cute, but also annoying. I don't know. I'm really annoying during penalties. And if, if anybody who follows me on Twitter knows how much I love when games that I don't care about go to penalties, but how much I hate that when games I care about do. What's it like being... I kind of, you know, was being sincere when I said I love having you around. But what's it like being a couple in a space together? Because that's also interesting to have someone you can kind of lean on, which I'm sure is really great. But then also I imagine you you don't just want to be, you want to be yourself, right? You don't just want to be in the couple. You've got to have a little bit of that independence. So what's it like kind of balancing that as the coolest couple in town and also being Je <laughs> being Jenna and being Adri, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. I think actually our relationship online is is in a way similar to how we are IRL. In yeah, yeah, I'm like just... exceedingly annoying and she puts up with me. I, I... No, I think I I mean I think it's great. I mean obviously it started out where um I I was the one who started kind of like freelancing um you know writing articles and um whenever I, anything I would write I would make her read. Like yeah. I was like you have to read this, you have to read this. I was so nervous and um <laughs> 
<laughs> like I didn't want to submit it to an editor. And, you know, some of the sites that I wrote for, you know, they're, they're very grassroots. So sometimes you don't really have an editor. So it just really goes up as it is. Maybe someone fixes your punctuation. So um, I always wanted her. She's actually very, very good at, at editing and also knows soccer. So I would make her read like every single thing for the, like all of 2021. Um, when I first started doing this, she read every word that I wrote and she was a very good sport about it. Um, you didn't always enjoy my edits. Well, that's good. Honestly, that was going to be my next question. Andrew, perfect time to jump in. Like I don't collaborate with my other half and I can't imagine the tension to some extent when you are giving <laughs> feedback to someone you care about and love and love and you know right and so Adri what was it like doing edits of, of Jenna's work at the beginning um for the most part like it was fine there was just um there were a few times where there was an article or two where I was like you know you might want to take a different approach or, or maybe you need to rewrite this and uh or stop using the same word over and over again. Yeah, that was a big... And actually, so at the local W, Adriana, actually, they, we brought her on as a part-time freelance editor. So at first, she just started doing it out of the kindness of her heart and for love. But then she actually was my editor for, for a few months there. So um, that was that was fun. The The part about us being in love would just solidify that it's not me just being like, I'm the editor, I'm going to make this change. No, it meant like, I, I want you to make this change because I lovingly think it'll make it better. Right. Like you look better. Right. I, <laughs> I always obviously know that. And we're, no, we're, we're really lucky. And I think also now that like she has started working for CBS and, um, you know, writing about, you know, attack, attacking third and said, yeah, um, I've sometimes found where she has come to me and be like, hey, I just wrote this for a script like what do you think and so it's kind of been like a fun little like role reversal where like I get to like you know hear her bounce ideas off of me and I get to you know kind of help her out there and yeah so it's just it's fun I think we're very fortunate that we have that shared passion and that we can work together really well sometimes I just need someone to tell me if I'm translating a turn of phrase directly from Italian and if it doesn't exist in English because that does happen to yes. me sometimes I'm like oh this is a phrase and then I read it I'm like I don't know if it is like an idiomatic expression that like doesn't make sense in English and I'm like what like, like the, get, uh, the cat's out of the bag or something yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah or if you're trapattoni don't say cat if you don't have it in the sack <laughs> that was one of his phrases Andrew you're, you're again you're setting me up this is great Let's focus on you for a second to talk about your origin story as an individual. Um, we're hearing a lot about uh, translating Italian, you mm -hmm. know, the old country. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, who are you? What, what's your story? Who are you? So who are you? Imagine if she like revealed something I never knew, who like on the pod, like secret life. Okay, let's hear it. Born, I was born in Brooklyn and raised in Queens. So very much a New York kid. But my dad... Uh, was born in Italy, mm -hmm. in Tuscany. And he came here when he was about 13 years old with uh, the whole family. And he always wanted his kids to have a strong connection to his homeland. So um, what that meant was that my brother and I went to an Italian school here in New York um, called La Scuola d'Italia. So, you know, pretty straightforward. Here's what in it terms is. Of is what it says on the team. Yeah. Um, and because he works for Hunter College, he would get summers off. And we would also be very fortunate in that sense because we would get to go to Italy mm -hmm. for a month or three sometimes. Always uh, during summer. Euros and World Cups as well. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we would get to be in our in the house that he grew up in until he came here. So that's that was a very special thing. And that's how I have my connection to Italy. And going to an Italian school, um, I got into soccer because so many of my my um, classmates were obviously big fans. Calcio heads. In, yeah. <laughs> and one day they were all talking about Milan and Juve and this and that. And I went home and I was like, Dad, what team do you root for? And he says, oh, Inter. I'm like, okay, me too. And that was the beginning of my uh, lifelong love for Internazionale FC or Inter. <laughs> and I really got into it because it was hard when I was growing up because if you didn't have um, 
like it was called Rai International, which is basically the Italian channel that you can subs- subscribe to here in the U.S. But if you didn't have that, you couldn't watch the games. Mm. Right. Because it was like the 1800s. So, you know. Right. Uh, the internet was <laughs> even just... Champions League? just <laughs> even Champions League? Even Champions League? Champions League you could watch on ESPN. Okay, yeah. Because they would have their separate contract. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then I remember when Ronaldo Il Fenomeno was acquired that. Uh-huh. The real Ronaldo. When Roy Hodgson... Yeah, Roy, when Roy Hodgson was the manager, my old Roy, he big Roy. Was it was Gigi Simone for Ronaldo's first season. And then Roy. In, yeah, then. Roy stepped in. He was prior and after. And after. Roy was. He's always a safe pair of hands. If things go wrong, that's when yeah. Roy walks in. Yeah. yeah. He, he left early one season and then in a disastrous subsequent season came back when, when I think Moratti, the president at the time, went through something like four managers. But yeah, when Ronaldo, I was in Italy as they were finalizing the deal for, for his acquisition and it was such a big deal. Were and you then, in Milan then? I was, no, we were in Tuscany. Uh, I wasn't like, when he was present. I wish I'd been in Milan oh, when I didn't he know. presented himself <laughs> to, to his adoring yes. fans from the bal- balcony. But basically that, that year, I got to follow Inter and and that player so closely that it was just, uh, it was just such a treat it was to intoxicating. watch someone play like like your everything yeah, in your it, life it, was about. It just became like that obsessive. Yes, yeah. exactly. I needed it's to like know the score who scored this. Yeah, who was starting, um, and that made me fall in love with the sport even more. And then we can skip ahead to women's soccer, and. I remember hearing and not hearing about the 99ers because we were away for the summer. So I was right. in Italy. In, Italy. in 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, yeah, they're not going to tell you about women's soccer. Um, <laughs> or they, the, they certainly weren't. We'll get to, we'll get to, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I do remember when I was in college and, and in this, when I could watch the Olympics because that, that you could see no matter what. Yeah. Even in Italy, right, right. I did go to I did go to Italy for college, and I could see the U.S. play, and that's when I started to fall in love with women's soccer. When I moved back to the U.S., I immediately was like, "Well, I'm going to follow the professional league here." And on YouTube in I, Lifetime, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was watching the streams, the NWSL. They were they're like their first or second season, and I was watching on YouTube. Um, and by then, I even had a little sister who I got to introduce soccer to through youtube and she was like oh those are girls and they're playing and it was just it was really cool to see her kind of grasp that concept mm. um and we brought her to, to a couple of gotham games since so yeah, yeah it's been yeah. it's nice because she's young she she just turned 14 so <laughs> and well basically that's kind of my soccer story ever, ever since i was a little kid i've loved soccer and italy made me fall in love with it but the u.s allowed me to realize that women can succeed at soccer too. And that made me fall in love with the sport even more. Well, even 2015 for me was really cool because I think this generation of soccer players is one of the first generations that has been so out with their sexuality Mm. from Pino to Wambach. And I remember in 2015 um, when the U S won Wambach um, kissed her, her wife at the time. And that even made the papers in Italy. And it wasn't negative coverage. And I was like, oh, okay. So for me, that to see a generation not just move the needle in terms of of women's rights and equal pay, but also in terms of LGBT rights, that to me is a big deal. Yeah, the visibility is is obviously like super important and um, it can't be what you can't see. So when you see these amazing talented women like out there on the field like succeeding and then you're like oh wait and they're also like just like me or not all of them but (laughs) um you know it's just it is really inspiring and it is you know it definitely does like add an element of supporting the women's game and and just this idea I think that women's soccer has like really become a place where um stances are made causes are upheld um it definitely it, 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 I think I'm thinking very specifically of my my little sister actually yeah. came to a soccer a Gotham game a couple of weeks ago and she had she's um a few years younger than me she's in her she has no soccer no, she was literally texting me during the game like why are they kicking from the corner why are they throwing the ball in from the sideline 
called me um like a week later and was like i'm still thinking about that game because like i me and my she went with another uh friend of hers and she was like as women we just felt like so safe Mm. in that sports environment and like having been to like baseball games and like other other sports like she not that she's like had bad times in those places and in those spaces but it just like felt so different like you walk into red bull arena and many of these other stadiums around the nwsl and like you see uh, you know, like an LGBT pride flag, you see families, you see women, you see queer couples, you see like all sorts of folks just like out there together, like all supporting a team of women out there, like kicking ass on the field. And she got to see Esther Gonzalez score her, her brace, oh, her opening. Yeah. <laughs> so she's, she's like in, like, she's like in, like she's a fan now. And it, it was just really cool to like hear her just like talk about that experience and feeling like safe in that space. And I just think that's something like very special about women's soccer. And I know we went on a total tangent there. No, this but... <laughs> is a good juicy tangent. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up all those things. Um, yeah. Especially as, you know, a married gay couple that enter that space and support that space in many ways, both from the media side and, and the fan side. Like that, that's why I think it's so interesting. And it's cool. You, you were able to connect all those dots, Andrew. With the, yeah. with the assist from Jenna at the end as well. It was perfect. It's, it's even nice, like, you know, like covering Gotham. Um, the, the, the staff at Gotham has always been, like, amazing and incredible. And, like, well, Adriana would um, do... When, when I brought her on as the editor for the local W, she also does some of our social media stuff. Mm. To this day, she'll still come and, and do some of our social media, like live tweeting of the games and stuff. And like, there's been times where we showed up and like somebody on Gotham staff will be like, it's the Tonellis, like, hey, you know, and it's just kind of like, it's just really cool. And and uh, it's just, yeah, it's just fun and a, a great environment. I also have the privilege of working with Darian Jenkins, who That's right. is uh, the chief of staff at Gotham. Yeah. And she's also one of our analysts on Attacking Third. It's a small, and it's a small world in New York City soccer. It is, it is. And yeah, yeah she's wonderful, as are all of our... Oh my gosh, the, the Attacking Third staff and Anna, like they're, incre- that's an incredible group. Like they're just, I love what they're doing there. And um, we, we could talk about that, I'm sure, for a long time. But I <laughs> As just much think as I love so- you, Adri, uh, yeah, we can, do, <laughs> we can do the CBS Appreciation Podcast another time. <laughs> <laughs> next week next week we'll have you back on it's really cool to like know that she's involved with that and that she gets to like work on on, on something like that but yeah well it's the type of work that also makes you feel like you're doing something important mm-hmm. it's both yeah you're and like shining that good yeah, light you don't always get that in sports you know because sports you know you have your big moments but but it does feel like you're doing something important yeah and that's it's awesome yeah i'm proud of her oh I love going to work. She what does love I going say? to work. Well, getting up in the morning. So lucky. <laughs> Good morning footy to you all. Yeah, no, pivoting to you, um, no Italian-American ancestry, as far None as I know. I, that, that I know of. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, my mom is from Long Island. My dad is from the Hudson Valley. So, we grew up in the Hudson Valley. Love it. Um, they met. They met in college at Buffalo, which is why we're Buffalo Bills fans. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, but I've been in the city for a long time well over a decade now <laughs> even though i'm only 23 how that's crazy how, how that works it. but no not not italian at all but yeah well so this this is a fun little interesting story it kind of goes into our our meet cute story so cute. which is um in high school i have a master's and a bachelor's degree in linguistics i love languages i love like the study of it like that's always been like a big interest and passion of mine and it is related to the my day job that i do when i don't when i'm not freelancing for soccer um but in high school i took french and italian so i actually and continued my Italian studies through college, um, you know, with my linguistics degree. So when I met Adriana and she was like, oh, I'm, I'm Italian. I was like, oh, I actually like speak a, 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 not a ton, but like a little bit of Italian because I minored in it in college. So it was just like a random, like little fun thing that kind of like brought us. But it felt kind of serendipitous that the universe was saying. It did. It really did. Because like, why is like this Jewish girl from New York, like knowing how to speak Italian? It was like very random. Um, but So, yeah, I mean, I played soccer as a kid. I did a few seasons um, of like youth leagues. And yeah, I just started to really get into the U.S. Women's National Team after the 2012 Olympics. Um, and then I re- very vividly recall watching the 2015 World Cup, which is like really what like sealed the deal for me in terms of like 
wow, these like women are freaking awesome. <laughs> like, this is so cool to see. Like, I'll never forget like watching that final with like the Carly Lloyd, such an amazing moment to like experience yeah. that. And that was it. Like I was in, um, I like knew of the NWSL, like when it, around that time, obviously like they started in 2013. Um, I didn't really tune in. Um, and I also never went to games because Sky Blue played at Rutgers, which is a university in New Jersey, and you need a car to get there. And I lived in Queens, so it's it was we pretty, had no car. Pretty yeah. I mean, we didn't even know each other then. But you know, once we met, we started getting more into it. We started watching NWSL games more together, and then they the team moved to Red Bull Arena. Um, we were we were going to be season ticket holders. Like I wasn't covering or anything at that point. And then COVID hit, so we obviously didn't go to any games they had the bubble they did the challenge cup we watched every game basically of challenge cup um fall series which like feels like a fever dream doesn't that fall series feel like a fever dream like what even was that (laughs) um and then 2021 came around and our season tickets rolled over because obviously we didn't use them for 2020 but that was the season that i started to cover the team so um, sometimes like Adriana would use the tickets. Sometimes I would literally give them away to fans on Twitter. Like I would just say like, Hey, I have extra tickets. If anybody who can't afford to go wants to go. And I would just give them to people to get folks in, in seats. Um, and yeah, I mean, how I started covering the team was really random, which basically I was just tweeting away about Gotham and somebody reached out to me on, on Twitter, um, from Greg from Jersey Sporting News, who I will always like have such like a deep appreciation for, for him doing this is he literally DM'd me on Twitter and said, Hey, you seem to know a lot about the team. Like, can you write, are you interested in like ga- doing like some game recaps about Gotham? And I was like, sure. Like, why not? It seems he's like, I can't pay you, but like, you want to like, I was like, okay, like, why not? Like, this seems fun. And then I don't know. I just, Go I think like, I, yeah, I think I really ended up filling a, a gap for a team that wasn't getting like a ton of coverage at the time. Um, and I, I actually feel like really fortunate about the timing of it because I feel like I was really able to grow with the team. You know, my coverage came, started at a time when like they had just left um, Rutgers. They were starting at Red Bull Arena. Um, they were really starting to become the Gotham that they are today. And so I was able to also like, go like kind of go on that trajectory with them and they were always like really really great about like even when I was like just starting out and new like the first two people that I interviewed were Caprice Sidasco and Kaylin Sheridan who had just won the Olympics you know so it's like the fact that like I was like just starting out and they didn't really know me but they were like hey like yeah let's do some interviews like let's get you going like I'll always appreciate um you know their their willingness to work with me and kind of like grow the coverage as the team has has grown um and I think I'm really lucky in that regard and I love covering that team it's been a lot of fun even though last season was tough when they you know with their last place finish that was that was a tough season because you know as a beat reporter you really get to know the coaches the players I mean you you know this Theo and it's it's tough to like be in the room with with these you know the same people every week and just like know like how like frustrated they are because like they know they're so much better than what the results are showing on the field and um it's been just really great to kind of see the the evolution this season and what they've been able to do and like <laughs> it's it's been like very refreshing and um totally different vibes so uh so yeah so that's kind of my little tale do you think there is this kind of responsibility as i put it to you know let's say no one shows up to the press conference apart from you and you're sitting there saying, I don't want to ask these questions, but I feel like someone needs to ask these questions. Like, do you feel that do you feel that responsibility? Do, do you kind of agree with me that those questions need to be asked? Or do you think there's certain times where you're just like, you know, let's let it slide? No, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously it's like uh, you know, you take it game by game and you kind of see see what what's happened. Um, 
a lot of times I found that sometimes I don't even need to ask the question. They're going to give the answer because, you know, they're all professionals and they're competitors and, 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 um, you know, a lot of them have been doing this for quite some time. There's a lot of players who have been in this league since the very beginning. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I'm thinking like in particular, like Michelle Beto, she, when she was, you know, the keeper for the majority of the back half of last season, like I always knew like we would get a great answer yeah. from her. Sometimes I would barely even have to ask a, ask the question and she she knew <laughs> you know what I was- no, she's a veteran she's like i want to get this out of the way you know and that's why it goes down to responsibility because she feels it as well she's like i'm here to we're all telling one big story right football is just one big exactly. story it's always going on and it's so important for her to come up and front up and then and then everyone moves on that's it you know what i mean it's Exactly. She's making her life exactly. easier because she's, you know, moving things on. Right. And sometimes it's as simple as like, what went, what went wrong tonight? And what are you going to do to fix it next time? And, and that, you know, you can really get good answers just, especially from, from some of the more veteran players yeah. who um, have been there and they, they, you know, can give some really nice, insightful answers to, to those types of questions. Um, and, you know, sometimes that they just see my face and I'm like, Hey, so what happened tonight? And you know, it's just it's good because like when you are there week after week and sometimes the only person in the room, you do build those relationships where, you know, you can you can sometimes the the things that are unsaid either on their part or your part, you can you have an understanding. You build trust. You build yes, you, you build, build trust so they know that they can speak to you and you're not going to misconstrue right. what they're saying. Or some type of editorial. Well, oh, yes, <laughs> that's not that's not my goal, obviously. So, so yeah, so it's 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 definitely like a, a an interesting dance, so to speak, of you know asking those kinds of questions, but you know, doing it in a way that is not you know, yeah, like yeah, you're you're asking because yes, because you care you and because care. you want to get those those answers because it's part of the gig. Well, their answers show how much they care as well That's, it's, yes. it's twofold absolutely so it is smart. <laughs> smart it's fair to get their side yeah. yes absolutely yeah that's such an important be- point because we forget that they're people are people and that you see you know we've all as fans maybe seen a player mess something up and we're like screaming at the television i certainly never do that in italian, in I, italian. I, my joke is that she only speaks italian when she's watching soccer or mad at me <laughs> anyway and the uh, italian facts. volume is very like quiet like when she speaks english it's more like subdued i guess but when she speaks italian like forget it like volume full black we live on a different volume that's <laughs> yeah, just they do as, a a volume. as a nation um anyway yeah we forget that athletes are people no one's trying to mess up and and it's fair and and not just fair but like you said um a duty an honor but a duty to get their side of the story. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Get, giving giving players and coaches an opportunity to 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 talk about what happened because yeah, sometimes like as a fan or as a journalist, like you see something like uh, okay, like why did the coach take out that player? They were playing so well. Like why did they take them out? Okay, it turns out that they have back spasms or something. You know something, and like you didn't know. So sometimes like you you it gives like more insight and clarity into like actually what happened. So yeah, it is an honor though. It is an honor to, to, to do it. And and it's not lost on me. Like every, every pre-match press conference, post-game interview I do with the player, like um, it truly is like an honor and a privilege every time I get to, to send a tweet or write an article. Like for me, it's, it's all like something that I, I really cherish the opportunity to be able to do because um, not everybody gets that. So no, totally agree. That's what I said. I feel like it is that responsibility. Like I'm like, if if we're not here helping tell that fill that tapestry out, then it goes dark and no one wants that. You know what I mean? No matter how small your output is, it's just like it's so important to keep filling it in. Thank you so much for sharing. That was a good, good, hearty uh explanation about who you are and what you do. I hope Thank everyone you. finds it illuminating. You're like I said, two of my favorite people. You fill me with lots of love and enthusiasm and excitement for the world of football and that's great talking a little bit more let's kind of move pivot off you two you've you've done great with the spotlight on you you both new york born and raised um based on my rendition at the top of the show you know i i know the listeners now know new york is a big part of your life what is football in new york and all the boroughs like i think 
the city has a huge reputation all around the world for lots of things. And maybe football, soccer isn't one of those things, but sort of under the surface, it's definitely growing slash has maybe always been huge and is only now getting its dues. I'm saying this as an outsider, but that's kind of what I, I think. And yes, maybe it's been slow on the MLS and the NWSL side. You can talk a little bit more about what that's been like, but what is football soccer like in, in, in New York and, and the boroughs uh, right now in, 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 in today? Um, well, we live in the best borough for it. We do. And I, we always say like, you cannot walk outside your apartment in Queens without seeing like 10 soccer jerseys. But the thing is, they're all European leagues. Uh, so it's all, oh, sorry, the cat's in the back. No, no, you're good. There's, it's, it's it, like when you talk about like soccer. Soccer versus or, local soccer. And yeah, exactly. That's, that's the key difference here is there's such a huge soccer culture in New York City, especially like Queens and the Bronx, but it's the European leagues. You see the Man United jerseys, the Chelsea jerseys, um, the, yeah, I've seen, I have seen Italy, uh, various teams in Italy jerseys. Um, I saw the Telenoglu jersey that one time. Remember I told you that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a guy in our neighborhood also who walks around with a Milan jersey from time to time. Yes, and there's a guy who wears an uh, Italy national team jersey that goes to the, my coffee shop, and I'm always chatting with him. But other than, like, the two times I've seen, like, sky blue t-shirts um, and, like a, like, a couple of, like, NYC, FC, like, partner pubs that, like, I see around – the domestic soccer getting getting like a real foothold in, in the city, I think, has been a problem. And I, I have theories. Soccer, soccer in New York City, like when you think of like kids playing soccer, um, they're playing on the street. They're playing on like basketball courts, hard courts. Like there's not a lot of like green space in New York City. And that problem expands to the teams. So you have NYCFC playing in a baseball stadium because – or, or two, City Field, Yankee Stadium, because they, I mean, they finally have decided that they're going to break ground and build a stadium in, in Queens across from City Field. Which Washington, will be good for soccer. Which will be great. Yeah. Because will be, again, not to no, no, take go away ahead, from your go point, ahead. but Queens is the best play sport because a How big part of, of the soccer culture, even in the U.S., is brought by so many immigrants. Right. Because Queens is the most diverse it, it has place the most, in, in yes. America, most yes. languages spoken, most people from the most different places. So it, so yeah. So the fact that like our our three major league um, soccer teams, one plays at a baseball field, and then the other two, the New York Red Bulls and Gotham, play in New Jersey, is a big problem. And it's really, you know, it's really tough. I think to build a culture around these teams when. A, they're they're really hard to get to, or B, your, your in stadium experience is a is a baseball stadium. So well, and maybe the culture feels eight miles, which in New York is a long way, eight miles away from yeah. you, removed from who you are in your neighborhood. I, I think okay. we're just probably for a separate podcast, but we could talk for so long about what it means to for a team to represent you. But I'm sure, I mean, you could tell me more than I know, but that you know, that state line does mean something, that train journey does mean something or, or that drive and how you kind of connect with those. For, for a team to be your team, right? It is, it, it's, you, you've got to make that connection for a lifetime, yeah. Absolutely. Actually, I would argue that Gotham, of the prof- three professional teams in the area, does, does a very job. good job of of representing that diversity and that that internationality too, just with a lot of the players that they bring in. Um, but yeah. It'll, I think, for NYCFC specifically, things could be on the up and up because their stadium will be in the best borough for soccer. Mm-hmm. Even around there, you go to Flushing Meadow Park, and there's every inch of grass is being used to play soccer. Yeah. And it's a great thing to see. Whether they're goalposts or not, it's right. kind of very much, you know, I, um, during the, the Men's World Cup, um, there there's a huge uh, Moroccan. Uh, like alcove in in Astoria, Queens, where we lived, and so we got to watch a couple of the games where 
in, in like these little cafe, tiny cafes with like all these fans in Morocco. And it was amazing. And, you know, we'd like walk out and there would be like little kids playing soccer in like the municipal parking lot, like about to get hit by a car basically, but like kicking around the ball. And like, there's such an appetite for it here, but it's just making it accessible, which in New York is, is difficult. So yeah. um, I, I think that's, that's part of the, the problem of bridging, like the clear interest and passion there is for the world's game in the world's borough with these you know domestic teams here and it's like tapping into that and making it accessible which i think has been really difficult i want to move the conversation on to the old country and it's interesting you talking about new york you know one of the great cities in the world with an appetite for teams to represent it but we're still maybe waiting for it to find local soccer obviously it loves soccer but just trying to find that local soccer we're going to cross the atlantic and go to italy one of the greatest soccer countries in the world with an absolute appetite for soccer. And we're in the midst of inertia, continuing issues with, with the country or the federation, maybe really supporting its, its women's national team and giving it what it deserves for a country that, you know, Andrew, you could tell me more, but would probably absolutely fall in love with this team and get behind it if it was given its dues. So for those that don't know, maybe give like a, a starter 101 and then let's get a little bit deeper into what is going on with the Italian national team and why they may be not making the same growth, both in terms of media and on the pitch um, that, that we see from, from other top nations in Europe. Yeah. So Italy's soccer landscape, everyone is very familiar with the men's soccer landscape. It's a culture of excellence Four world cups to two euros. Um, many Champions League titles amongst many uh, among the top Serie A sides on the men's side. But on the women's side, um, not so much. And a lot of that is, unfortunately, for all the reasons that we've become very familiar with over time in the women's soccer landscape. There's been a lack of investment. There's been a lack of... It's not a lack of interest because of any particular reason other than fundamentally sexism. Um, right. The most lack, the lack of, of visibility. The la most yeah. of the journalists are men. Most of the people in power are men. Um, and it was actually just in 2019 when Italy outperformed everyone's expectations that people started to pay attention and that a lot and for reference, it's because they made it to the quarterfinal of the World Cup that year. Yes, they beat Australia. The yeah, they beat they Australia, beat Australia in the group stage. Oh, that's right. That was what kicked it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they just kept going from there, and um, that gave them a little bit of leverage. But even Serie A, the professional, the top tier professional league in Italy, was only only became professional last year. It's not just a matter of salary; it's a matter of they can do this professionally and and project the their future, yeah. right? So that was a huge, huge gain for, for Italy. But it feels very much like we did in the U.S. not too long ago, but long enough ago, where what happens when Italy doesn't do well? Mm -hmm. So in... At the Euros, they lost pretty disastrously in a pretty disastrous manner to France. And then this World Cup probably should have beaten South Africa. Girelli had that open net miss, which I'm sure will haunt her, haunts her, haunts her dreams a little bit. Um, that that saw them kind of uh that saw them um eliminated at the group stage. And then what happens is your concern is, well, now that they haven't won, what no happens? one's going to pay attention. Everyone's going to say, and this is something I've seen a lot in Italy, that's not soccer. What is that that I'm watching? That's Oof. that's not what soccer is. Um, I hear that more often than than I can possibly count. Um, and it's it's aggravating. It's infuriating for all the reasons, for all the obvious reasons. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like when we were there and I, I actually wrote about this a bit in Equalizer, you know, we heard uh, a radio and, you know, a radio DJ was between songs talking about like the Women's World Cup. Italy is in there and they're like, oh, you got to understand it's not quite the same. They play a little slower, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he he was trying in, in the way that he knew to promote it. But, you know, it's it was just so clear, like what exactly what Adriana is saying, like they do view it. As different. It's a it secondary. Is not. It's yeah. Exactly. It's not equal. I wish it were considered secondary. <laughs> it's, ter- <laughs> it's tertiary. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. even rank. It, yeah. I mean, not a single Italian journalist went to the went to cover the Women's World Cup. So I think that the Federation of- did not send one single representative. Man, I was even hanging with some Frenchies at the uh, at the World Cup final. They suck. <laughs> well, there you go. Like you want to see the level of. I mean of of where we're at to some degree and there was that that commercial that france put out which uh, i thought was pretty genius and some oh, people were like that's well, interesting because it kind of touches yeah. on the radio guy yeah because it yeah. was that's exactly right that's the it's whole thing cool. it's in your head and i think so many of us americans were like oh we need to stop comparing it to the men's game like we need it, it needs to stand on its own which like obviously like makes sense here we've made so many strides here but the fact of the matter is that over in italy and france and and some of these countries like, in europe kind of like, idea. it is a brilliant idea i remember yeah. watching that commercial and just for context for everyone that's the commercial where it shows the french men's team making these amazing plays on the pitch but they photoshop they photoshop yeah. over the women's faces yeah i guess it was like cgi yeah. i honestly would love yeah. a documentary about who made that advert because it was like yeah, the cgi no. was weird it was really good yeah and then you discovered like, that that's uh, the women's game marvel take notes yeah <laughs> i remember watching yeah. that and thinking yeah this is genius because it will speak to exactly what a lot of the problems or what are the preconceived notions are Subconscious and bias. Prejudice. Subconscious bias. Yeah. Or, yeah. or conscious yeah. bias, actually. You know, it doesn't have to be. Oh, it's conscious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and and just, yeah, when we were in Italy, she wrote about not only the coverage, but also oh, just trying to watch it on TV. Trying to watch it on TV. I mean, this was a problem all over Europe, but because this was the first year that the Women's World Cup rights were not bundled with the men's, they had to bid separately on them, and the they they finally, after like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, like came to an agreement where they would only show the group stage games where Italy was playing. So we couldn't watch any other group stage game, and then they were going to show all of the knockout rounds. But it's you know we couldn't watch the U.S. play while we were in Italy. I mean, we they, couldn't they watch any of it. There. That was painful viewing. <laughs> um, so there was that, and there's also uh, Girelli, who is the leading goal scorer um, for Italy, men's and women's, actually. She's the leading goal scorer. One, the, the, uh, the TG Uno, which is... So there's, there's, there's the national news. Which is uh, the national news. The equivalent of the BBC. Yes, in Italy. Had their time news show and, featuring. And they, they were like, they were showing a clip of her and on like the cryon or whatever it's called where they had her name, Girelli, they wrote Gibella. It's not like um. It's like imagine. It's like imagine. They would not misspell Roberto Baggio. Right. Name, right. Ever. Exactly. And it's 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 just like un. It would be unheard of in the men's game. That and then in another what they what, what did they do? What would that they say a, her first t- name? TG uh, regionale. Oh, was a regional newscast. Tiziana. Oh, Tiziana. They so there her. was there's the local news. The local news of Piemonte. And for those who don't know, Girelli plays for Juventus. Juventus is based in Turin, in the region of Piemonte. So the regional news also had a clip of her, and they uh, just got the, her first name wrong entirely. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. being in that newsroom and being like, uh, anyone know what it is? It is, might be pizza. Literally, like <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. I mean, Gibella is not even close to Girelli. It's not even like, oh, a little typo. No, like... No, I was looking at the keyboard when I saw that up on the TV and I was like, no. Those letters those aren't letters even aren't close. Near. It's not. <laughs> and so, I mean, it just, I think it's like so indicative of like the, the lack of care that that there is. Um, and it's really unfortunate because I think, you know, we see, we've seen it here in the US. You saw it, you see it in England, just what happens when you put the proper resources and attention and support behind a women's team, what, mm. they, what they can do. I mean, what England has managed to do has been incredible. But... But that being said, mm-hmm. even in my very small village, there's maybe maybe 200 people. You're taking us to Tuscany day. right now. I'm yes. taking you to okay. Tuscany. There, we have met 
well, specifically, I have a Turret. friend of note. Yeah. Turret. Tuscany. Ah, I 2023. Can, <laughs> I can see the olive trees right now. Um, there's uh, there's an appetite for women's soccer. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, his little cousin. <laughs> she's not so little anymore. I mean, she's, she's, she she's, she's yeah. little, but yes, she's, she's 18. She yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I didn't realize she was eighteen. Jenna remembers age just better than me. Um, when we got there, she was so happy because she follows women's soccer Very as, as closely as she possibly can, and she finally had someone who could speak to her, like more in detail about the women's game. Yeah. And ten years ago, twenty years ago, that little girl wouldn't have existed. There wouldn't have been any type of, of interest yeah not interest like maybe there would have been interest had there been any form of access but, no but there is more access yeah exactly and seria is getting better like you except do for the to... fact that they didn't they didn't negotiate the tv rights and they just did and you couldn't watch the first few games of the city season yes. on tv they, because they, they did yeah. just get that deal done <laughs> um but i do give like seria women is is they're coming they are. They and I are. do give a lot of credit to Juventus and Roma, especially. And Milan is is getting there, Inter too. Mm-hmm. But Roma Juve, Juve, Juve was the first. Um, Roma right right behind them. They've really invested in their women's teams. And, and they've seen gigantic gains from them. They've seen Champions League runs. They've seen increased interest in, you know, the like Scudetto and yeah, all Roma that. Had 35,000 people last year for that Barcelona yeah, game, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, at the Olympico. Yeah. That was, that's huge. And Juventus have played, Juventus played at the Juventus Stadium and it's, it's coming. Yeah. And it, the good thing is, is I don't think at this point, even if the national team has a few more setbacks, um, I think at this point there is enough momentum that we're going to see the game grow because the players it's going to be are spurred. going to be pushing exactly and I think more in Italy it's going to be really spurred by club soccer um I think I think that's going to be what what really helps is seeing more success of the clubs on the European stage so yeah 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 it will and the clubs have shown a willingness to invest exactly. which is important yep 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 love it Bit negative, but we're sprinkling a little bit positive. That we're, we're very hopeful. Yeah. We're, no, no, we're I'm a, encouraged. We're because, a hopeful duo. <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, even ten years ago, you, what Italian national team? Right. Yeah. Right. They existed, of course, but I there were nowhere to be found. There was no information on them. There was you. They weren't qualifying for World Cups. They were not a top tier side, and I would argue that now they're. They're not top 10, but they're getting there. And actually, Sophie Lawson, friend of ours, great soccer writer, or football writer, she would say, wrote a great piece of actually about a few years ago on the history of Italian women's soccer um, and, how you know, for dating all the way back to like the 70s. She really digs in. So that's on Equalizer. So highly recommend that for additional reading. <laughs> Homework assignment for the guests. But yeah, Love it. <laughs> for the listeners. Please, the guests for please, assign, please assign homework. Well, Jenna, Audrey, you've been, you're totally yourselves. That's all I could ask for. So I'm going to have to bid you good night because we've had a lot of football chat. And uh, I think we'll... Are you going to cut? You got to cut this down. I mean, we yapped way we too yapped, much. We yapped and we yapped and we had a lot of fun. Um, but thank you. Boy, so, babe, we yapped. <laughs> we yapped. Thank you so much for talking about yourselves. It's not always easy. Thank you for sharing insight on what it's like to be, to be you, to be working in the game, to be loving the game. And uh, yeah, thanks for talking a little New York, a little Italy as well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us. Always good to see you. Adieu. Adieu. Yeah. And uh, hopefully I'll see you, see you soon. Buonanotte. Ci vediamo. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> hopefully I'll see you soon somewhere across the country. Um, <laughs>